My favorite example to give people is if you're ever in the hospital for a long, you know, an extended stay, if you saw your itemized bill, you would see on there that you were charged roughly $20 for something called a mucus recovery system. Now that sounds really fancy, right? It's a box of tissues, a box of tissues. Welcome to the Smart Money Mama Show, where moms get real about money to help you find your financial confidence and live your best life. Now let's talk money, mamas. Hey there, I'm your host, Chelsea Brennan. And mamas, today on the show, we're talking to Angel Salucci, founder of Medical Fraud Fighters, soon to be rebranded The Empowered Nurse. Angel is an amazing woman on an important mission. She's working to leverage her nursing and medical experience, along with her fraud negotiation skills, to educate and empower individuals to become better consumers of healthcare so they can ensure that they're receiving the right treatment at fair prices. I'm recording this intro after talking to Angel, and let's just say some of the stories and statistics she's going to share will knock you off your chair. Fraud and errors in medical billing are way, way more common than we're led to believe. So I'm incredibly excited to have Angel on the show to share with us how we can catch those errors and keep more of our money in our pockets. As always, stick around until the end of the show to hear my top three takeaways from this conversation with Angel. Or you can head over to smartmoneymamas.com forward slash angel for the complete show notes. Are you ready, mamas? Let's get started. Hi, Angel. Welcome to the Smart Money Mama Show. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. There's so many aspects of your story and your work that I'm really interested in exploring. So first, tell us about medical fraud fighters. How did this come to be? Oh, boy. It was kind of a long and then short journey. So I've been in healthcare my whole life. I started out as a candy striper. I always have to make sure I don't say candy stripper. <laughs> and I was <laughs> It's a whole different career. That didn't come till my 20s. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but I was a candy striper at 13. I was a nurse, a phlebotomist, and now I'm a family nurse practitioner. But then five years ago, I left practice and I started using my skills to investigate for insurance fraud for insurance carriers, medical billing fraud. And it was two years in and I decided to like look back at the numbers and I'm like, how much fraud are we really finding here? And by looking at that, I saw, according to our data, that 93% of the bills we were reviewing contained some form of billing fraud and or errors. Yeah, which means that nine out of 10 of the medical bills people get in the mail could contain errors. So when I saw those numbers, I was like, yay, we helped our clients, but our clients are the insurance industry. And I was like, people don't know this. Patients, consumers of healthcare, they don't realize that nine out of 10 medical bills could contain errors. And they also don't realize how much power they really have because everything's negotiable, but they don't know that because the data we give our clients, they were giving it to their attorneys to then negotiate. So I thought, wait a minute, I should be teaching people how to do this themselves so that they can then negotiate on their behalf. So that other company is called Overbrook Consultants. And I thought, no, I need to do something just consumer facing. That's when I launched Medical Fraud Fighters, which I'm in the process of rebranding, changing the name, because that definitely has a charge to it. And I don't want a negative charge. I don't want people to feel with a fighting kind of stance, I want them to feel more empowered. So that's actually changing to more of an empowering kind of tone, because that's ideally what I want for everybody to have these tools, this knowledge, so they can be empowered to just stand in control of their medical expenses and their medical journey. Because Chelsea, it's not just medical fraud and abuse, but it's medically unnecessary treatment 
that is also being done, especially to the elderly people. Like, oh, there's just so much we could talk about. But that's how it all came to fruition. It was a long journey, but short. There is so much we can talk about. The first I want to go to is that you have a background in medical care. And so often, at least in my experience, I look at these medical pills and I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about, like what you're charging for. Like when we gave birth to both my kids, like those bills were long and they just had random stuff on them. And so what kind of fraud are we talking about? Like, are there different types? Well, first of all, I think it'd be helpful for your audience to know there's a difference between abuse versus fraud. And we're only talking healthcare right now. We're only talking medical because there's workers' comp fraud. There's all the, you know, insurance fraud, all that stuff. Abuse is charging excessively for a product or a service. Hospitals are notorious for raising their prices by 400 to 500%. This is when we see the like $200 for a Band-Aid yes. on the hospital bill. Or my favorite example to give people is if you're ever in the hospital for a long and extended stay, if you saw your itemized bill, which we could talk about that too, you would see on there that you were charged roughly $20 for something called a mucus recovery system. Now that sounds really fancy, right? It's a box of tissues, a box of tissues. Oh my God. Yeah. So that's abuse because you did get the item, but what they're charging you for that item is really expensive. And we see a lot of this in regards to laboratory studies or surgical supplies, that kind of stuff. Now fraud, on the other hand, is knowingly and intentionally trying to get paid for something that you have no right to. The easy example I give would be if you saw your provider for a sore throat, But then when you got your bill, you saw that he or she billed you for a pneumonia visit. That's a higher acuity. Therefore, they're going to get paid more for doing that. Now, why that's bad is not only are you going to be charged more for that, but you now have a diagnosis of pneumonia on your medical bill. And this is really, really important because we have so many people who have lost their jobs since COVID that are now uninsured and uninsured people notoriously pay more than insured people. But insured people should also care because whether you're getting the health insurance from a provider or you're self-funded, A, they're much higher than they should be. Your premiums are high. Your deductibles are high. And we wouldn't know all of this unless we start reviewing our medical bills and actually understanding all of those things. And I, I hear what you're saying about you look at these things and you don't even know what you're billed for. Well, I always tell everybody, go to the world's like greatest doctor right now, Dr. Google. <laughs> Google, what does this mean? What does this code mean? And if you type in the code that's on your bill and it says, oh, that's for a shoulder x-ray, but you know you had an ankle x-ray or, you know, it's, there's easy ways to check our medical bills now. And I want to make that incredibly easy and accessible for people. So I have a question that doesn't really seem to fit in either of those two categories. <laughs> okay. I think it was still... One of these examples, and everyone on this podcast has heard me tell this story before. When I was in my early 20s, I lost feeling left side of my body. They thought I was having a stroke, very healthy individual. It was crazy. But they did all these neuro tests. And we got a bill in the mail for like thousands of dollars for these tests that insurance would have covered. We had good insurance at the time. So we reached out to our insurance company and they were like, oh, we paid what we pay for those tests. That was what your doctor wanted paid more than that. And so they're sending you the bill, but you don't have to pay it. We already paid them. So I called the doctor's office and said, insurance has already handled this. We don't owe you this much. And they said, okay. And then they continued to send us these late notices for like several months. And I just kept ignoring them because my insurance company said to, but I was very worried about like things going to collections. Where does that play in where you actually have like doctor's offices or hospitals not aligning with what your insurance company is telling you to do? Right. So where that would come into play is that you first have to ask yourself, is that doctor within network? 
Because if they're out of network, then yeah, they can charge you whatever they want over and above what your insurance has paid. Now, granted, you can negotiate and say, reach out to the provider and say, hey, can we negotiate to what you would pay if you were in network? And of course, you know, it's always worth the ask. But if your doctor or provider was in network, and they still try to bill you after your insurance carrier already paid, then that's considered balanced billing. And I don't know all the states offhand, but there are some states where that's illegal. And that's what they're trying to also pass in in Congress right now. But when we hear about surprise bills, balanced billing, it's when in-network providers are trying to collect more than what the insurance carrier had already negotiated on your behalf. And that's illegal in a lot of states right now. Gotcha. Okay. So that's what it would have been. This doctor was in-network. So that's something to watch out for as well. Yes. And you want to have something in writing. So yes, between phone call, if they're sending you notice, you want to have something in writing. That's another thing I tell people, you know, I hear people say, oh, I spent hours on the phone, you know, trying to get this handle, blah, blah, blah. Send something in writing certified return receipt, because by law, they have to answer you within 30 days. And your time is valuable. So if you kept getting those notices, I would then send a certified return request letter to them saying, this has already been discussed. You told me that I don't have to pay, but I continue to get these letters. And this way, it's kind of like CYA, cover your butt, you know, make sure you have it in writing and all of that, just so that it's not hitting your credit score or anything. So you brought up a good point here of our time is valuable. And so we've been talking for a few minutes here and there's moms listening that are like, oh my gosh, I manage my healthcare and my kids' healthcare and my spouse's healthcare and maybe even parents. And how do I have time to even go to Google and look at these itemized things and look them up and make these phone calls and send the mail? Like, how do you start to take control of your healthcare so you're not falling subject to fraud, but also not spending your whole life like searching medical bills? Right. Well, I need things to be organized. (laughs) And I think a lot of my friends question, like, you spend so much time being organized, but organization gives me freedom. So yes, if you're managing, if you have three kids and you've got different doctor's appointments and you have different immunization records and you have different bills with that, and then you also have yours and your partners or your spouses, and then you also have your parents and all of that. I think everything needs to be organized into one spot. Now, I have created what I call the Duff Framework. It's a system. Now, I do have tools where, of course, I make it easier for you, but you want to have one organized location for everything. I personally prefer a binder, but D stands for document. You have to start documenting everything that occurs from the moment you make the appointment or step foot into a hospital all the way through until that bill has been paid in full. So a little journal, something that you take to your provider's office where you write down, this is the date that this child was seen. This is why the child was seen. This is what was done at the office. And then you also have the right when you're leaving the doctor's office. I always feel like I should say provider because I'm a nurse practitioner. (laughs) I feel like I'm leaving out all my MP friends. But you want to ask them, what's the code? Because you could say, what's this visit going to cost me? But a lot of times they honestly don't know because they don't know what your insurance is going to cover. So you could just say, what is this going to be billed at? What code? And you want to document that. Why? Because Chelsea, then when your bill comes in, you want to look at that explanation of benefits if you have insurance or if you're uninsured, you want to be able to look at that bill and then you want to be able to cross-reference it to what you wrote down. So that's the first step, I think, to being organized and more in control is documenting everything. Organized is also, that's where I think a nice binder comes in where you have your insurance policy, not the whole thing, but just what's covered, what's not covered, what's your copay, all this in one spot. And then verify. I like setting aside, I mean, granted, if you have a lot of bills, you want to probably do this more on like a every other week basis, but otherwise sit down, 
atmosphere is everything. I light a candle. I have piano music. I'll have a cup of tea. I create a nice environment once a month. And then that's when you look at your medical bills and you do all of it at one time, one person at a time. Don't try and do Joey's and your husband's and then your mother's at the same time. You want to just focus on one thing at a time. And then based on what you found, then you take it a step further. So D stands for document, O stands for organize, V stands for verify that what you have written down is what you're billed for. And then E is for engage. So let's say you look at your medical bills and all of them are correct. There's no errors. And let's also say that it's a fair and reasonable amount, which I help people find out that as well. Like, how do you find out if it's a fair price? Chelsea, there's so many circles I could go into because I don't know if you know this, but hospitals are not regulated for what they could charge. They charge whatever they want, and it's based on the hospital's charge master. So on a four-corner block, hospital A, B, C, and D could charge completely different for whatever services they're doing. You find no errors, no bills, then you would want to engage with that provider and pay that bill. If there's no errors, but you can't afford that, then you negotiate with them for a lower rate, or you reach out to them and say, especially with COVID going on, look, I have a financial hardship right now. And you have to be very, very honest. And I help people draft this letter. I actually have a template for people. You want to let them know, look, this is how much I have in my checking account. Don't give them the account numbers, obviously. <laughs> but this is what I have in my checking account. This is what my rent is. We are a family of five. This is what my food bill is every month. I cannot afford this payment. I am willing to pay $20 a month. Whatever it is that you can afford to pay to maintain your quality of life. That's what you want to tell them you're able to pay. And by all means, which I'm sure you teach your audience this, don't put it on a credit card. Never, 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 never put it on a credit card. They're going to try and get you to do that. But don't do that because then you're accruing interest on that. Create a payment plan Mm -hmm. with whoever that provider is. Now, if you find after you're reviewing your bills, if you find that there are errors and or fraud, well, then who you engage with is based on what you found. I always say, let's err on the side of human error yeah. versus you committed fraud or, you know, you made a mistake. So you always want to approach that provider first and say, you know, I see on my bill, you let's use that example again. I see you billed me for pneumonia, but that day I only had a cough or a cold. They may say, well, are you sure about that? That's not what our records say. But if you documented it, that's when you could pull out your little journal and say, oh yeah, I wrote it down. We've got to become the CEOs of our own bodies and take ownership of all that. So yes, if you have children and a a spouse and then parents and you're trying to manage all of it, we cannot manage all of it unless we have a system because being organized helps to remove the overwhelm and then having the knowledge and the tools puts us in control. And just implementing that system right there, document, organize, verify, and engage, that's going to help you have more financial peace of mind. And also you're helping to keep your money where it belongs, in your pockets, (laughs) yeah, not in theirs. And it's going to take some time, right? You have to have that monthly meeting or every other week if you have kids with special needs or certain, a lot of medical bills. But it can be a lot of money that you're clawing back, right? Do you have any specific stories that you've seen happen with your clients? Well, interesting things. First of all, there's a service that we offer for our clients right now, and it's called a bill review. Okay, so my goal is to educate and empower you to do it yourself. I always feel in self-empowerment. But for people who can't do it or people who have long-term illnesses or people who just don't want to look at the bills themselves, we won't look at your medical records. We'll just look at your bills to make sure that there was no fraud, that there were no errors, and that you were billed fairly. And just in 19 cases, because I thought, let me look at some numbers. (laughs) And in just 19 cases, we reviewed, now granted, these were larger claims, 
we reviewed $861,000 worth of medical bills. 429,000 of it was errors and or fraud. Oh my gosh. So we saved our clients close to $432,000 in 19 cases, just 19, which means that's on average $22,000 a case. That's insane numbers. We've had for even our insurance carrier clients, we've reviewed medical records that were upwards of $80,000, $90,000. And we're like, nope, based on medically unnecessary treatment and or double billing and or blatant fraud, we'd bring it down to $10,000. And Chelsea, that's when I got mad because I thought we're saving the insurance industry so much money. How's that helping us? How's that helping the people? <laughs> So that's when I'm kind of like, nope, I'm going to like, whatever you want to say, drop the wall, open the kimono, show you Oz. I'm going to show you how to do it yeah. <laughs> so that people could save it themselves. And I know there's people listening who are, are just angry, right? Hearing these numbers of how is this possible? We've been taught that we have to trust medical providers, that insurance is doing everything that they're supposed to be doing and documenting. And the idea that they're often wrong by half, right? Because 860 to, to 429 is like half. I have so many questions, but first being like, you said earlier that you have some ways to check whether you're getting the right pricing on something. How do you do that? You can just give us some quick tips. Yes. First of all, very simple, easy. People can go to healthcarebluebook.com if they want to do it themselves. And you just put in your zip code and the code that would be on your bill. Now, if you get a general overall bill that does not give you actual codes, they're called CPT codes or HICS-PICS codes. Some may start with the letters. Some may start with just the number. If you don't have that, then you want to request an itemized bill. Where you're just getting every item, right? Exactly. Versus think of your Thanksgiving grocery store receipt. It's like, you know, as tall as you are. Or I always say a CVS receipt, right? They're like arms length. <laughs> exactly. Versus if you got a little tiny receipt that just said you spent $400 on prescriptions and two, 20 bucks on candy. This is going to, an itemized bill is going to map out every single solitary thing that you had. That's where the codes will be. And then you could always enter that into healthcarebluebooks.com for that. Again, for the people who don't want to do that, we have our national database that we utilize, and that's what we use for the insurance carriers. And that's what I would then go in. I can't give people access to that, but I would go in, I would get the codes for them, and then I would let them know what the appropriate amount is for that. And you know, because you said we're taught to trust, you're right. We are taught to trust, and especially the healthcare system. But I don't know if you know this. I didn't even know this. And I've been in healthcare my whole life. First of all, I didn't even know healthcare fraud was a thing until the last five, six years. But our current healthcare system has really only been like this since the 70s, since I think it was Nixon who signed in HMO. That's when we started having for-profit hospitals. Now, yes, we're taught to trust, but I don't want people to not trust their providers. I don't want people to not trust the hospitals. And the same way we have good and bad teachers, we have good and bad police officers, we have good and bad everything, politicians, name it. We also have good and bad hospitals and good and bad providers. It's not unless we take control. Again, we are the CEOs of our health and wellness and our body. Unless we take control of that, then we are just going to be victims of the healthcare system. Even the word patient, Chelsea, that's a bone I've got right now in my like jaw, like I can't let this go. Because even the word patient is passive. That's not an active word. I don't want to be patient. I want to be in control of my decisions. I want to have a collaborative relationship with my provider. And that's what I want people to do. Like, for example, I had an appointment. This was a few years ago. I hurt my back and my provider wanted me to have an MRI done. Well, as an NP, I'm like, okay, 
I was very respectful. I'm like, well, how's that going to change my treatment plan? And he's like, because it was going to cost me an extra thousand dollars out of pocket. And he says, well, it's not going to change your treatment plan, but it'd be a good thing to have on record. I'm like, oh, hell no, (laughs) not for a thousand dollars. I'm not doing that. So, and it didn't change anything. So it, you know, I want people to still trust and believe in their providers, but I also want them to be trust themselves first because you actually have all the answers. They may be the expert in the medical field, but you're the expert of your body and you have every right to stand up for proper treatment for your parents, for your children, for yourself. Like it's your right to question it. And any provider worth their weight in gold is going to want a patient who is more involved in their medical care. That's one thing. And the other thing I would like to share, if you don't mind, is there are four blatant types of medical billing fraud. And these are pretty easy to pick out. So first of all, speaking of uh, being easy to pick out, I'll never forget the funniest story I ever had. We were reviewing medical records for a gentleman, Mm -hmm. a man. He was charged two times for a pap smear. (laughs) I have to let people let that sink in for a minute. (laughs) Like blatantly. Now, it could have just been the switching of a number on the chart. And that's how mistakes happen because we're humans and these are humans entering these things in. So that's why I always say err on the side of human error first. Don't be in an attack mode. But the four most common types of billing errors, fraud that I want people to be aware of. The first one is called billing for services not delivered. Very self-explanatory. I love giving examples because I think that helps to crystallize it. Absolutely. But my mom, she received a medical bill for seeing a specialist for $500. And she didn't think much of it at first because she has really good health insurance and she's on Medicare. But who pays for Medicare? We do, Mm -hmm. the taxpayers. So, but then that bill just kept festering in her head. And she went back and looked at it a few days later and saw she wasn't even in the state on the date of the visit that she was being billed (laughs) for. Yeah, my parents live in Pennsylvania. They were at their house in Florida on that date. $500 right there. Anybody else would have just paid it. So that's billing for services not delivered. The second is called double billing. When you're looking at the codes, you also want to look at the quantity. So we were looking at records for a gentleman and I knew what he had had done. It was a same day procedure. And I knew that procedure. I used to work in the OR as well in the recovery room. And it's said that he had six IVs. So I called him and I said, hey, how many IVs did you have? And he said, one. Why? And I said, oh, because you were billed for six wouldn't know that unless we were looking at the quantity also. The third most common type of billing fraud is called upcoding. Again, like I mentioned earlier, you're seeing your provider, you take your child to the doctors for a cold, but really when you see it, oh, they billed for a pneumonia visit. Well, that's considered upcoding because they're knowingly trying to get paid for something of a higher acuity level than what it actually was. And then the fourth most common type of billing fraud is called unbundling. Now, this one can be harder to pick up, which is why it's good to put the codes in Dr. Google. But this is when, especially like with lab services, if they order a chem profile or usually there's seven different tests in that, since they're always ordered as one unit, they're billed as one unit. Unbundling occurs if they charge you for each one individually. So a good example of this would be if you went to a fast food restaurant. And if you say to the person at the counter, I'll have a number seven value meal, please. And they say to you, okay, that'll be $72. And you're like, what? Well, sure. They're unbundling, they're parsing out and they're charging you for the cup, the straw, the lid, the ice, the burger, the bun, the one pickle that you get, you know, (laughs) that is called unbundling. And that happens all the time in the medical billing front. And then Chelsea, do we have time? Can I just tell your audience one more thing? 
Oh, yes, we want to hear all the things and all the advice. But before we do your one last point, let's take a break to hear from our partners who help make the Smart Money Mama show possible. We'll be right back. Mama, you want more more money, time, peace, fulfillment, and joy, to stop surviving and start thriving, to show your kids what it means to live fully. But you can't build a life you love without financial security, which means it's time for you to feel worthy of wealth and confident managing your money. The Motivated Mama Society is our monthly membership community where intelligent, driven moms come together to rewrite their money stories, connect with their biggest dreams, and build lasting wealth. With access to our five core foundations courses, monthly live masterclasses and Q&As, and a fantastic community of women who have your back through the ups and downs of life, you'll have what you need to create a life you love. If you're a mom who believes more is possible and you're ready for more money and more time for the things that matter most, the Motivated Mama Society is for you. Learn more at smartmoneymamas.com forward slash join. That's smartmoneymamas.com forward slash join. I can't wait to see you inside. We want to hear all these things, Angel. This is so important. People think it's just their doctors or, oh, it's just the hospital. You cannot believe how many people are trying to get a hold of your medical identity, your medical identity, your insurance numbers, especially Medicare. That is more priceless to a criminal than your credit card is because there's no limit to what they could charge. So yes, we have hospitals who are committing fraud and abuse, over-treating, billing fraud, all this stuff. The most alarming one to me was, which there's thousands of examples, but the most alarming to me was there was a hospital in Florida who has to pay, I think, $200 million or something like that in penalties. What they did is they forcefully told their emergency room physicians to admit anybody over the age of 65, whether or not they needed it. So even if your parent went there with, I don't know, a splinter, I mean, that may be extreme, but even if they went there with just um, a sore throat, the administrators were telling their providers to admit them regardless. So the whistleblower came about because this one physician went to discharge the patient and the computer system actually popped up and said, are you sure you want to dismiss this patient, discharge this patient? He overrid it three times. He had to override it. The next day, the administrator came down and said, why did you admit that patient? They were on Medicare. You should have admitted them. Why? Because Medicare is a blank check. Yeah. So you've got hospital systems doing that. Then you've got providers. I call anybody who takes advantage of people. I call them the ethically challenged of our society. <laughs> okay, the ethically challenged. Yeah, I like challenged. it. So now you have providers. So let's talk about billing for services not delivered. There is a physician who was submitting claims for services for Medicare recipients. I'm glad you're sitting down, Chelsea. For some of his patients who had already died. They already died and he was still profiting from them. Oh my gosh. That's ethically challenged, right? So you've got your providers and then... You also have your vendors, your services. So labs could be committing fraud. Ambulance services, how an ambulance would do it is if, let's say, your child twisted their ankle at a soccer game and just your basic neighborhood ambulance came, the BLS, no paramedics or anything like that on board. But then when you saw your bill, the ambulance company actually billed you for an ALS visit, which is acute life support, which means there was a paramedic on board. Now, why does that matter? Because that's a difference of $1,000 usually. Wouldn't know that, 
unless we were reading our bills. Vendors can commit it. And then the scariest thing that people don't even know is out there. We have organized crime rings who are trying to get our money. Organized crime rings. So think of phone scams, telemarketers. There was a big scam called Operation Brace Yourself. And it stole from the Medicare system, us, the taxpayers, I think it was $2 billion. And why that's important, Chelsea, is because we want for our children who are in public schools, we want, you know, new playgrounds, we want new roads, we want all this stuff that the taxpayers pay for. Well, they're stealing from us when they're stealing from the Medicare system, you know, and the Medicaid system. So what this scam did is they reached out to Medicare beneficiaries, again, anybody over the age of 65. And ask them, hey, do you have shoulder pain, knee pain, back pain? And of course, if you're over 65 and all you got is ankle pain, you're in good shape, you know? (laughs) (laughs) But if they answered yes, they would say, okay, your insurance company has allowed us to send you this brace. We just need your insurance number. So all these recipients did that. They gave them their number. Well, they shipped them, the patient, they shipped them a brace that you could buy at Walmart, CVS for $10. But they billed Medicare $999 for every single brace because 1,000 is the like red flag threshold for Medicare that it would flag it for them. Oh yeah, ended up stealing that much money from the taxpayers. So it's on so many levels. It's organized crime rings. It could be vendors. It could be providers. It could be institutions. And the same way we want to raise children to not be fearful in life, but you know, stranger dangers, just being aware. That's what I want consumers to be. And you know, somebody's like, well, why do you say consumers of healthcare? Well, because it's a money transaction. You're paying for a service. So we have to be better consumers of healthcare, not live in fear, but just be more cognizant, more in control, more of aware, you know? And I think that's why I'm changing the name also going more the empowering route, because it's all about self-empowerment and control. When I named medical fraud fighters, that was when I first realized all these numbers. And that's when the Philly in me came out. And I was like, oh, hell no, that shit is not happening anymore on my watch. <laughs> but I calmed down a little bit. And now I realized it's more about education and empowerment and us taking control of this. And I honestly want to start this like grassroots movement of empowered individuals who are just going to say to the healthcare system, no, no, we, we know what you're doing now. It's not going to happen anymore. Once I start talking about this, I just want it, I want everybody to know everything so that they're always protected. Pharmacy fraud. Now, what that looks like is anytime you get prescriptions for your parents, your children, yourself, if it is a loose tablet, clearly we can't check liquids because the bottle's full or it's not, but you always want to count your pills when you get home. It could be human error. It could be blatant fraud because some pharmacies will skim off like just five or 10 thinking you won't notice that, especially if you're ordering a 90 day supply. And then they're still charging you for that amount, even though you didn't get that amount. So this has happened to me three times now. And I was getting 90 day supply of medication. The first time I came home and I counted it because I didn't know pharmacy fraud was a thing. I counted the pills. So instead of 90 pills, I think I got like 82 So again, let's go with human error first. I went back to my pharmacy and I said, guys, I know you're really, really busy, but I'm short eight pills. Could you just give me my eight pills, please? And of course they're like, oh my gosh, we're so sorry. Three months later, it happened again. This time I got 80 pills, not the full 90 day. So I went back again and I was still nice, but I was like, guys, this is my second time now. You know, I got a lot to do. I don't like coming back here, but I know you're busy. Can I just have my pills, please? You know, and then the third time I was like, Third time it's happened. 
please, I'm counting my pills. Now, first of all, it's going to make them aware, like, holy shit, she's counting her pills. You know, this is, again, it's an empowered individual. I'm taking control of my stuff. And it's no different than if you go to the grocery store and they charge you for, I don't know, three boxes of tea and you know you only bought two or whatever. We read those receipts. We read every receipt we get, whether it's a mall, a department store, even when we buy a car, we are so much more engaged. We shop around for the best prices. Why are we not doing that with healthcare? Well, now we are. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now we know. Everyone is, by the way, that's listening is at the medical fraud fighters level. They're at the angry Philly level and we're going to, we're going to calm them down, but I'm sure, I am sure we're going to get emails from people who have these stories, right? I think, and a lot of us do have instances where we felt like something was not quite right and we didn't know how to figure it out. And it sounds like there could have been something wrong, whether it was intentional or human error and we have to pay attention, but you brought up a good question and I want to talk through it. When we find these errors, how do we approach them in a way that actually is going to get them fixed, right? Because you can't call angry. <laughs> That's not really going to help. But especially when we're talking about big medical bills, it's going to take some time to sort out. And so how do we approach it and what should we expect the process to be? So the whole process first would be to review your bills. You know, you got to know what you're looking at, what you're dealing with, and you've got to have your am- ammunition, Think about it. That's why insurance carriers pay us big bucks to get the data for them, because when their attorneys then go to defend it, their decision, they need facts. They can't just say, oh, we think it's wrong. So therefore, we don't want to pay it. Well, that's not an intelligent person. So by reading your bills, by knowing what you received, what you're being charged for, what the normal value of that should have been, what you should have been priced at. Now you're going with ammunition. Now you have your arsenal, let's say. But I always tell people, don't kill the messenger. The person on the other end of that phone is trying to put food on their table as well. The person on the other end of that phone is dealing with medical bills as well. So you always start off nice and you always come to the table with, you know, I was reviewing my medical bills and these are the errors that I found. They, they're going to crap themselves just hearing that somebody reviewed their medical bills <laughs> because we're not used to doing that, right? So you're just coming to the table with that work done, you're going to be very, very nice. I would recommend sending a letter, letting them know this again, why waste your time? You're busy, you're running places with kids and all that kind of stuff. So write a letter, send it, return certified mail, tell them exactly what you found. But if you're on the phone with them, kill them with kindness. I mean, think about it. If I was a nasty person, would you want to help me at all? No, but if I'm a nice person, And that's why I do that, like with the pharmacy stuff. I know they're wrong. I'm like, oh, guys, I know you're so busy. Like, come on, you know, versus being angry. They're not going to want to help me then. So always be super, super nice. Realize that everything is negotiable. If they can negotiate prices with the insurance carrier and come down huge numbers, they can easily negotiate with you as well. And I already mentioned, don't put it on a credit card. And oh, there are actual billing advocates out there. If you want somebody to fight for you and to negotiate your bills for you, that would be the next step. So for me, I want to empower you to do it. If you need help, I'll provide you with the tools to do it. Or I can even do a bill review for you and say to you, okay, honey, this is what you were charged. This is what you should be charged. This is what you should negotiate. But then you still negotiate. But if you feel like, you know, I don't even want to do that. Okay, fine. There's really good billing advocates out there and that's their jam. That's what they do. The other level is like once you start, you send the letter, you make the phone calls. There's a woman on our team. We were talking actually you and I before this recording that she had a regular billing with her delivery with her baby. 
And she called and they identified that there was something wrong and they were going back and forth with doctors and trying to figure out what the right bill was. But in the process, the bill stayed in whatever system it goes in. So she started getting notices that it was going to go to collections, even though the hospital was negotiating with her. And she didn't know how to stop that process and ultimately got to a point where she just paid the bill because she was worried about it going to collections. How do we deal with that? Like, how do we know what the process is going to be for the hospital or for our medical provider? Again, have everything in writing. That's the one thing we learned in nursing school. If it's not written down, it's not done. So then it becomes your word against their word. So that's why I would document, okay, we started, I, I notified the provider or the hospital on this date. This was their response, because if it does go to collections, because you never want this to affect your credit score, which sometimes it can. So if then all of a sudden you have a collection agency calling you, then you could say, what's your email? I will send you this letter. This is everything documented out because what is supposed to happen, I mean, granted things slip through, but what's supposed to happen is once you enter into that negotiation phase with your provider or hospital, it puts kind of like it stops the clock until all this gets worked. Now it could take a while because they don't want to let go of their money, (laughs) but it could take a while. But if you're patient and don't spend hours on the phone again, just if you're patient, you document everything along the way, just know that in the end, it will work out on your behalf. Okay. And then the last thing I want to talk about, we are running out of time here, but I want to touch on this. We talked earlier about unnecessary tests and trusting our doctors, but also advocating for ourselves in our own bodies. And so how do we have those conversations with our doctors about why are we doing this test? Why are we doing this course of treatment in a way that's respectful, but also is trying to get the answers that we need? I love that question. And it's kind of like there is a difference between asking a question and being questioned. Hmm. It's kind of like when our kids are little, when you already know the answer and you're being, and you're questioning them, like, you know, the answer, you know, a, a good example I say is, you know, if, if a police officer is asking you, do you know how fast you were going? He knows darn well how fast you were going. <laughs> you <know>? So you <laughs> don't want to talk like that. But if I was sitting in the doctor's office, even if it's something that seems simple, you just ask nicely, like people like nice people. You don't want to ever challenge somebody. You don't want to challenge anybody. I would never want to challenge you, you know, whether or not you're a doctor. So I would say, hey, Chelsea, how come we're doing this at this time? Or Chelsea, what made you pick this day? You know, so you could say that to your provider. Hey, how come you want my child to have his ears, his tubes taken out? What's the benefit of that? Or or parents, why do they need to have a cardiogram? Didn't they just have one done? Or, you know, another friend of mine was telling me that, that she went to a new doc and they wanted her to repeat the blood work she just had. So she said to them, can we not just pull up the stuff I just had done? Like, is there a reason? Like almost plate, not dumb, but like as if, you know, very, very simple. Ask innocent, sweet, honest questions. And who's not going to respond to that? And guess what? If you have a provider that does not respond well to that, Mm. get yourself a new provider. (laughs) You don't want to be with anybody that does not respect your power and autonomy to ask questions. Absolutely. And then one other thing we touched on super briefly, which was people trying to steal your insurance information to bill things. Is there any good way to protect that information or to check that someone's using our insurance without us knowing? So you would know if somebody's using your insurance. Again, this is for people with insurance. When you get your EOB, your explanation of benefits, if you see a charge on there that you know is not you, then you would report that to your insurance carrier. So that's how you would physically see it. But then also how to protect it. Don't give it out to anybody. Your insurance company is never going to call you and ask you for that. When you go to these free health clinics, these free health fairs, if they say, oh, we're going to check your blood pressure, just give us your Medicaid number or your Medicare number, then it's no longer free. Anytime somebody asks for that number, know that they're going to charge something to that number. 
So don't give it out to anybody at all. And that comes back to like those late night TV commercials, right? That are like, we'll send you this sample or this thing if you call. Right. Or even phone calls where people are soliciting, which is not good. Is there anything we can say to our parents, if we have parents that are getting older, for them to watch out for this? Because it sounds like a lot of this can be Medicare fraud. What should we be telling them to watch out for? The same things or is there specific elder abuse stuff we should watch out for? The same things, actually, but more so amped up on them because they think that they can bill them and they won't even know. They'll think they're not going to read the bills or things like that. And if you have parents who are in assisted living or things like that, if you're the executor of their estate, like make sure you're reading the bills. Because what if you see a bill on there and your mom got an eye exam in the nursing home, but then you check with the nurse. Oh, no, she was feeling sick that day. She didn't go down to see the eye doctor. Well, then why is it being billed? You know, that kind of thing. Okay, So just pay attention. Pay attention. Right. And they're the biggest targets because people think that they're more gullible. And again, the Medicare card number, that is carte blanche, Medicare and Medicaid. And I always found it confusing. What's Medicaid? What's Medicare? We give aid to people in need. We give care. We should be caring for our elderly. So that's it in a very big, broad sense. Aid for people who need aid and care for our elderly. And those two cards, those two numbers are carte blanche to any criminal out there. So just never give it to anybody ever, no matter how good the offer is, unless it's your actual provider. Angel, any last pieces of advice for mamas that are going to go now and dig up all their old medical bills and try to sort through them? (laughs) Know that you can do it. Heck, I said that to my one friend when I knew I was going to be on here. I'm like, how can I inspire them? And I'm like, you know what? If we can give birth, and not even if you don't give birth physically, if you can raise children and a husband... (laughs) (laughs) You can do anything. Medical bills is nothing. It's a matter of just having the tools. It may have been overwhelming before because you didn't have the knowledge and the tools. Now you do. Now you have the Dove system. Now you have the knowledge. Now you are in control and you don't need anybody to give you your power. You already have it. So now own it and use it. Love it. Oh my gosh. Love it. Now, before we let you go, we have to have you try on the Smart Money Mama's sorting hat. The sorting hat is our version of the hot seat where we ask the magical hat to reveal something about you. Are you ready? I love that. But yes. What is one book that changed your life? Oh, okay. The one that changed my life and started me on this journey of becoming the woman I am is called A Year by the Sea. It's written by Joan Anderson, Mm. and I was married for 28 years, and that book gave me the courage to start or the awareness to start looking at, oh, you know what? That is a good example. I, I hated to say a book about that for your happily married mamas out there, but what happened during my marriage and raising two kids who are in their 30s now, I lost who I was in the process, and A Year by the Sea reminded me, it's by Joan Anderson. It reminded me to ask, what does Angel want? Like she went to make a cup of tea at night. She's like, do I even like tea? Do I, my husband liked it. So I made it for him every night, but do I like it? And I never thought like that. Like, oh my gosh, what do I like? What do I want? And that just started me on this journey. And then it was like seven years later where I realized that the things that I want are no longer aligned with what my ex-husband wanted. So that was the beginning of my journey to become Angel Salucci, who I am now. I love that answer. I can see why you you didn't want to necessarily talk to the happily married mamas that way, but it's so much of what we talk about here is like listening to what you want and who you are. And like we have, especially as women, we have so many voices about what we're supposed to be and so much 
people pleasing that happens in a lot of people in our audience that it's hard to listen to what you want. So I'm glad you found that book. Can I share one more thing, Chelsea? Go. I had a very affluent lifestyle. I just had a nice life, but I had this woman come up to me at church one day and she said to me, Angel, and she was in tears. Actually, back then I was called Angela because my ex-husband didn't like my first name, Angel. So anyway, (laughs) long story. That's a whole thing that we're not going (laughs) to... No, going to well, dive into. He said it sounded like a stripper name. I guess he heard about the candy stripper when I was younger. But anyway, <laughs> back to that. But anyway, she was in tears. And we all had little kids at the time. My ex was an elder. I sang in choir, all this kind of stuff. And I had a decent house. And she came up to me at church one day. and She said, I just wish my life was like yours. You have everything together. You have a perfect life. I put my hands on her shoulders One of my favorite, favorite, favorite quotes is from an aunt of mine said this to me, and I think it comes from AA, never judge your insides with somebody else's outsides. So I put my hands on her shoulder. And as women, why do we do this when we're trying to be good moms, all this kind of stuff, and we don't even know who we are in the process, and we wear these freaking masks instead of taking them off and helping one another. But I put my hand on her shoulders and I said, Diane, I have a miserable marriage. I fight with my husband every day. I probably drink way too much alcohol than I should. I'm on an antidepressant and my house is filthy dirty at the moment. I just happen to have clean clothes on and have makeup on today on Sunday. Like, don't judge my outsides with how you feel because I feel the same way you do. And until women, we begin supporting each other and letting each other know, like, you know what? My kids are a pain in the ass some days. Some days I don't even like them. That's okay to say. I think I have amazing, great kids. But when I remember somebody said that to me one day, she's like, oh, my kids are a pain in the ass. And I'm like, we're allowed to say that? She's like, yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh. Okay. Today she is, you know? So just be easy, be kind to yourself. And this whole book started me on that journey of waking up and realizing that I'm not just Kelly's mom. I'm not just his wife. I'm not just this teacher or this nurse. I'm Angel. And who am I before the world told me I wasn't good enough? That's the person I want to get back to. The person I was before the world told me that I wasn't thin enough, good enough, whatever, all that stuff. That is beautiful. And amazing that you said that to this woman at church. I think sometimes a lot of us would say, you know, thank you or whatever, just like bury it. It would feel uncomfortable and we wouldn't comment back. And so it's amazing that you were able to say that to her. I'm an open book. (laughs) (laughs) Angel, where can people follow up with you, find medical fraud fighters? I know you're rebranding, but for people who want to learn more. Right now, they could just go to the website is medicalfraudfighters.com. But I'm also on Instagram as The Empowering Nurse. And I'm also on, I have a business Facebook page called The Empowering Nurse, but I'd rather you just follow my personal Facebook page, which is my name, Angel Salucci, and that's C-E-L-L-U-C-C-I. And what I started doing is I don't just talk about medical fraud. I talk about everything that's important to me. So like yesterday, I brought on a friend who talked about hosting Zoom parties, even Zoom birthday parties for children. And tomorrow I have somebody coming on talking about family stories, like everything that I think, I don't know, any way that can help anybody. I just want to create this community where we share each other's resources. So my name on Facebook or the Empowering Nurse on Instagram or the website. Awesome. We will have links to all of that in the show notes. Angel, thank you so much for joining us. This was lovely. I had so much fun. I don't want to (laughs) hang up yet. Mamas, I am in awe of the work Angel is doing and also so angry about many of the stats and stories she had to share. The absurd percentage of medical bills with errors or providers intentionally abusing billing, it's so wildly unfair or ethically challenged, as Angel would say. But knowledge is power. 
Maybe in the past you didn't look closely at your medical bills, or when you did, you weren't even really sure what you were seeing. Now that you know that medical billing errors happen and how to look for them, you can start paying more attention and possibly save yourself a lot of money. As always, I've wrapped up my top three takeaways from this conversation with Angel for you to take into your own medical care. First, be an active consumer of healthcare. Don't assume your provider, medical facility, or insurance have it all figured out. Keep records, ask for an itemized bill, ask good questions, and stay involved and aware. This means asking your doctor what they're looking for with a certain test. It means asking for that itemized bill and really Googling those codes if you're not sure what it looks like. Medical fraud is way more common than we're told. And so when we are more aware and we are more involved in every stage of our care, all the way until those bills are paid, even if we have insurance, we're more likely to get the care we need and save more money for ourselves now and in the future. Second, protect your health insurance information. Protect it just like you would protect your social security number and your banking information. Fraudsters try to steal health insurance information to bill false charges and use your care illegally. This happens to everyone and it is a broad problem, but it is an even bigger problem, as Angel mentioned, if you have Medicare or Medicaid or you have a parent that does. Be aware that people trying to commit fraud look for Medicaid and Medicare bills first and opportunities first because they assume those consumers aren't looking at their bills because they tend to not be the one paying them. They look at it kind of like a blank check. And so you want to stay aware of what those charges are and what is happening. For many reasons, even if you aren't paying, one of the things is that all of those charges, all of those diagnoses go on your medical record. And so this could impact future care. This could impact what happens if you come to a hospital in an emergency. Are you coded as having the wrong blood type or as having recently had pneumonia when you didn't have any of those things happen? So protect your health insurance information just like you would your banking information. And finally, third, when working to correct errors or fraud in medical billing, always be kind. Don't shoot the messenger. The person on the other end of the line is also spending their days looking at billing coding and trying to find errors and working with patients. And it's not easy for anybody. Go in with calm, sweet questions. Know your facts. You're going to have all those records, just like in our takeaway from step one, which is you kept records, you looked at your itemized bill, you went to Healthcare Blue Book, you know your information so you can stand firm while still being nice. It's more likely to get you where you want to go faster. And it'll make your own experience a lot easier to handle. We want to make sure you save money, that you are not paying for medical care you didn't receive, that you aren't paying absurd prices for things like mucus recovery systems or Kleenex. Just make sure you're kind with everybody that you deal with, your pharmacists, your providers, your, your billing people. You've got this. Mamas, I want to thank Angel again for coming on the show and sharing her amazing knowledge of the medical system and her advice with us. You can find links to Angel's website, Medical Fraud Fighters, as well as her social media platforms in the show notes at smartmoneymamas.com forward slash angel. I appreciate you spending some time with me today. If you liked what you heard or learned something new, tell a friend. It helps us help even more mamas take control of their financial lives with all the benefits that come with it. Keep talking money, mamas. I'll see you next time.